It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Welcome, folks, again to the CPG Guys podcast. It's Sri and PVSP, and today's episode is to celebrate Women's Month on the CPG Guys Every November, we feature women executives in the CPG industry from large brands, retail, and startups alike. We're proud that for the third year in a row, we will be doing this. Peter Mann, wow, what a month. We're honored so many female leaders have joined us for this month. And how are you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing uh, quite well, Shri. Uh, you, this is as important a cause to me as it is to you, I know. We live in households uh, that are uh, populated by females. I know how important your mother is in your life as my mother is in mine. I watched my mother rise the corporate ladder and face 
a whole lot of challenges around gender equality that were absurd and unnecessary. And I promised myself when I was an adult that I would do my share uh, as an ally to help break down some of those barriers. So I'm really excited to talk about Women's Month today and to feature really fearless and successful women entrepreneurs, business leaders uh, that uh, that are showing how women can succeed in the corporate world and do so despite some of the um, unnecessary obstacles that have been put in their place. So I'm happy to be with partnering with you to make sure that breaks down. I know we've got some really big news around that soon. No debate about that, Peter. Without my mom and my wife's sacrifices over the years, I would not be where I am, and I know it's no different for you as well, Peter, but you just said we've got something to announce. So tell us about the special partnership we are establishing from January 2023 to actually celebrate Women's Month on the CPG, guys. Yeah, so Sri, we've decided to become formal partners at the supporter level of Next Up, formerly known as Network of Executive Women. You know how we we promote Next Up on on all our episodes. We talk about how important it is, but we thought it had to be more than just talking about it. We wanted to make a financial contribution to help support uh, this incredibly worthy cause of trying to advance gender equality in the workplace. Starting in January 2023, uh, we will sponsor individual memberships for corporate female leaders and entrepreneurs to be part of Next Up so that they can leverage everything from learning development programs, uh, the opportunity to attend regional and national events, and all sorts of live and virtual speaking engagements. Uh, We're very excited about this. We've got about 50 memberships that we're going to allocate out to a lot of great entrepreneurs. I think the first one we selected uh, was unanimous between the two of us three. We wanted to offer it up to our dear friend, Katie Hotes from Grocery Shoppie. So she'll be the first one. I think we've got a couple more in mind, but we want to do it to people who uh, might not be able to to afford the corporate membership, but could dramatically use the the allyship, the power of the network, and all the resources that that Next Up brings. So, if if uh, if you want to know more about Next Up, Sri and I encourage you go to nextupisnow.org/cpgguys and learn more about this incredible networking organization uh, and and educational resources and and trying to change the culture that we live in to ensure that uh, women can advance in the corporate workplace. So very exciting time for us, Sri. I know you and I talked about this for quite a lot uh, over the last couple of months and landed on this being exactly the right thing for us to do. I couldn't be more happy to do this, Sri. Without Peter, I'm grateful, thankful, as well as honored to have your allyship in this journey with me as the CPG guys. Peter and I are committed to gender equality. We will not back down. And we want to do our part so that we can uh, partner with female leaders in the startup space as well as in corporate leadership and get you uh, working with Next Up is now, especially if your company does not uh, sponsor today. But hopefully that may change in the future. And we encourage brands, retailers alike to check out nextupisnow.org slash CPG guys, as Peter just said, and learn more about this great group. So, Peter, thank you for that. But before we get to our guests, let me remind our audience that all of our content can be found by visiting cpgguys.com on a browser. 
The website, of course, is brand new, has rich content and episodes that are actually organized into themes like retail media and loyalty. If you aren't already joining us on LinkedIn and you haven't followed us yet, please do so because you'll join 17,000 plus other industry professionals on an entertaining educational journey. Also, we are managing closed groups on LinkedIn, such as CPG e-commerce, retail media professionals, and there may be others in the future. Over a thousand plus professionals are already part of this, so please consider doing so yourself. We are also on other social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Check out our series on Knowledge Drops, which is intended to be a fun way to learn about our industry. You can find it easily on many of those platforms by simply searching for CPG Guys Knowledge Drop in the search box. Remember to check out our friends, the FMCG Guys podcast, hosted by our friends, Daniel Lefrain. They take the CPG Guys podcast format across the pond, and they speak to retail and FMCG luminaries from a European perspective. All you have to do in a browser is visit fmcgguys.com and check out the latest addition to our family, the CPG School, hosted by Jennifer and Riza, two close friends of the podcast. They actually conduct snackable conversations with industry veterans. It's a fun way to discover what's new and next in CPG commerce and marketing. Visit cpgscoop.com to learn more. Today's episode, folks, focuses on digital leadership for brands. Not one brand, not a brand, but many brands. Capabilities, growth, and what's next in women in leadership, which we can't wait to start because this is Women's Month on the CPG Guys, Peter. Here to speak with us about all of this, including women in leadership, is Surabhi Pokhriyal, who's the Chief Digital Growth Officer of Church and White, iconic global brand, of course. I cannot wait to get this dialogue started and engage Surabhi as we decompose, sharing the glass ceiling and leading digital transformation in large Fortune 500 she's done most of her career. So join Peter and me in welcoming to the podcast, Surabhi Pokhriyal. Surabhi, how are you doing? Very good, Shri. Thank you, Peter. So good to be with you guys. Thank you for joining us. But before we get to the questions that Peter and I have carefully prepared for you for our conversation, Surabhi, would you mind providing audience with a brief overview of what you do for Church and White and sure. who is Church and White? Sure. So I'm newish to the company. I joined about six months back. I'm the Chief Digital Growth Officer, as Sri said. What that entails is uh, I own the overall e-commerce PL for the company. Uh, aside, aside from that, I own digital media, measurement, insights, and analytics. And of course, as the name suggests, all things digital transformation and the change management associated with it. Church and Dwight, I'm not sure how many of you know, but it's an iconic company for the past 175 years. Some brands you might be very familiar with, like Arm & Hammer, Deflex, and many brands that we have grown uh, inorganically by means of acquisition in the last 20 years. Yeah. So that's what makes our company super special. Last 20 years, you will notice a bunch of super indie, sharp, uh, you know, very consumer-centric brands like Thera Breath, which is a huge mouthwash brand. And most recently, you might have heard the news on Mighty Patch, the number one acne care patch uh, in the US. And super excited to bring this to close later this quarter. But that, that's what Children Android is. Uh, and a long-standing 175-year-old company, but still having that spirit of entrepreneurship and nimbleness uh, that's rare in CPG. But of course, Peter, I'm familiar with all those brands, and I'm sure most of audiences as well. So before we get, um, what we'll do here is thank you for that. First of all, we'll include links to your LinkedIn profile and Church and White's website in the digital liner notes of this podcast episode for our audience. Sure, you know, like over ninety percent of people listen to our podcast on mobile devices. So the best way, you don't have to write this down. Just open up the app, 
go to the line notes, and we've got hyperlinks there. You can you learn and read as you're listening and following. Maybe you could even buy some of them and have a process. We could do that. Absolutely. Change the baking soda in your refrigerator, in your freezer. If nothing else from this episode, change it. Your family will appreciate yeah, the fresh smell of the kitchen. And Surabhi becomes our first official guest who right in the startup intro section is already referred to frictionless commerce. So you and I are going to have a lot of fun. Oh, it's gonna be I, I just on that period. Yeah. So that means let me get right into it and ask you the first question. Here on the CPG guys, we really love to learn about clear, especially female executives of the build and gotten to these positions. Uh, so you spent your career working with several CPG companies and brands, iconic brands across the world. And you've been on the consulting side first and then on the brand side. So you've experienced both sides of the fence. We may have two other people on this podcast who've done the same. Tell us more about that career journey. Where did you start? Sure. How did you get to church and where is chief digital growth officer? And then most importantly, your advice for other women seeking to emulate you. Sure. So I'll start with, you know, where I started my journey. I actually started after business school at Procter & Gamble. That was my first employer back in Southeast Asia. And I was there during the P&G Jet acquisition. Fun time, you know, fresh out of business school, getting on a plane every Monday to Thursday. There's no adrenaline rush than that, uh, you know, doing that integration of a large company like sure. that. So going from Philippines to Singapore to you know all places in India, that was my first international trip, by the way. So that's how you know Procter introduced me to the world, world of marketing, sales, digital, and such. For a variety of reasons, you know, personal and business, uh, I wanted to come to the land of opportunity, and Procter won't do that back back in the time I was there. So I joined consulting, mostly for the reasons of coming uh, to the U.S. And my you know husband and boyfriend was coming here from IBM. So that's how I came to join Cognizant Business Consulting Practice, typically an IT services company, but they were pivoting in a big way to do marketing strategy transformation. And I had an ex-PNG leader who had joined them. Mm-hmm. So he recruited me to be part of the consumer goods and retail practice. I would say that that's where I became a change junkie. Uh, I would get a rush of you know joining Fortune 500 brands and doing transformation and all things on social, on digital on e-commerce or anything that I know today, I want to thank my consulting career to it because every six months I would be with a new Fortune 100 company. So I partnered with PepsiCo, with Reggaeton Kieser, Estee Lauder, Coty, A1, you name a Fortune 50 company. Either I have built proposals and sold business to them or I have worked on their business, which was very gratifying. But as you know, life goes on, you know, milestones, personal milestones keep coming up and I have to young children, personal milestones coming up and being on the partner track was attractive, but being on a plane is not as much, you know, you get over that midnight high. That oh God, yes. <laughs> so that's when I wanted to come back to the brand side and Johnson & Johnson called for a global e-commerce leadership role in New Jersey, doing similar-ish work, what I used to do in consulting, but for one company instead, for, instead of many. Very satisfying time, brilliant employer, really nice, you know, people there. And the you know era of digital and e-commerce was heating up as it is right now. Uh, we call it the times of great reconsideration. So I, as a talent, has a great reconsideration. Hopped on to Colgate and most recently with Church and Dwight. Um, I'm not sure what advice I should give to people. I would just say there's so much commonly spoken about follow your passion. I think there is merit to it. But I personally find more merit to follow your strengths. So it's analytical thinking, staying curious, always being a hand raiser and a bar raiser. And being uncomfortable with inertia is your thing. You know, I'm speaking that because... Great I statement, by the way. 
being uncomfortable with the notion. Yeah, like just being not too happy with status quo and you know willing to push the envelope and you read somewhere and then push some more if that's what you desire. I would say always try to have a job where forty percent of the job you have never done because if you have done the job time and again and you are applying the same thing and scaling it, it's brilliant. But what's the give and get to your intellectual curiosity? You know, I I I've talked to recruiters about people who apply for jobs and what what they talk about from a gender perspective is men will typically apply, apply for a job where out of the 10 qualifications they have they're comfortable with two sure. and with women it tends to be more like nine yeah. and what i hear you saying is stretch yourself yeah. don't just do a job that you know how to do learn from it that's yeah. really compelling yeah i heard two other hidden secrets she gave away Number one was the importance of a mentor as you effort to a PNG exactly who put you up, yeah. right? So that was one. Peter and I emphasized mentorship in a big way. Yeah. There was another second hidden gem, which is when you talked about the rush you had to learn brands, uh, different brand DNAs, one of the best ways to do it is being in consulting. Yeah. I would say service provider because sure. you get to touch a plethora of brands across categories. Peter and I have also done that in our careers and we know that it, that it does give you a learning opportunity. So people shouldn't be shy. If you want to change your career and come from brands, yeah. don't be shy to go work for a service provider and go seek a learning from other categories. That's brilliant advice. So, Sarabi, thank you, of course, for joining us today. We're really excited to have you here. The pandemic brought just an enormous amount of transformation on the channel, and we saw rapid growth of digital commerce. Where are we now in you know, two and a half years into it. Is it slowing down? Is it moving back into physical retail? Is is e-commerce component leveling off? What do you see as being um, the current condition? And how do you think brands, be it any brand, should be thinking about leaning into digital and commerce to, sure. to succeed and grow? So this is a brilliant analyst question. I'm no e-marketer or stuff, so I'll not throw personalities at you, but I'll give you my macro view, right? Um, I will say before the pandemic, I used to joke to my town halls when I would evangelize on all things digital, that most folks in our demographic and overall the consumers can't say the difference between Instacart and Instagram. Yeah. So, well, that that is taken care of yes. thanks to the pandemic for the most part, right? But where do we go beyond that? We have to become Instacart um, social media stars. Don't there we go. <laughs> There you go. Maybe we can be, we, we need to be a sponsored listing ad. And they're big on media. Yeah. We, we need to pop out of sponsored listing ads, don't we? The okay. evidence are good enough for you, Peter. It airlines. Uh, please continue. No, no, no. We, we go off on these, uh, we go down these rabbit holes. We apologize. So it's it's very stimulating. Intellectually there you stimulating. Go. That, yeah. Notice that was very euphemistic. <laughs> that was like pretty euphemistic. So it's very <laughs> intellectually intellectually. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the underlying Please. So, so, yes, I mean, the pandemic changed perceptions of, you know, I, I used to joke at Johnson and Johnson, right, to our CEO when we are presenting things on digital, pre digital e commerce and digital things would be page 10 behind the appendix and spawn 5. And post the pandemic, and so be you and I have sat through yeah. strap plans back yeah. in the days yeah. together, the where it would be like the afterthought, but it, it was a necessary checkmark afterthought. Correct. And we had to do it. Last 30 minutes left, usually it'd be 15 minutes late. Like, can we get through this in 15 minutes? And like, yeah. why am I here? Yes. So that became page one, bullet one, priority one, yeah. which is fantastic. But I think it's fantastic not just for the people like us, it's fantastic because that's where the consumer is. 
right? I'll share one data point that I saw recently. So Walmart Consumer Goods Research says 57% of the people who are chugging cards in the store are opening the Walmart mobile app or site to look up the product while buying them. And 50% of those are doing that twice over. I don't know what ninja skills they have to push the card and open the phone, but that's happening. What does that tell you? Moms have like five, eight arms, don't oh, they? And eyes in the back of their head because yes. they always know. And the whole house in the back. Yes. yes. No division. Moms live But I love that stat. No, it's very important. If you do, if you if you think of digital as being that for e-commerce yeah. and not for in-store, and you don't deliver con- the content that is ubiquitous yeah. for most consumers, and they expect they expect if you're not delivering that to them in-store. Yeah. We always talk about this. There's a little company out in Seattle that's happy to give it to them while they're walking through your store. And they're happy to take you out of, out of that retailer store. 100%. Yeah. So I call it the era of digitally influenced sales. I know e-commerce penetration is a big number. It's like, how, what percentage of my business is e-commerce? That's good. But there's a whole great box that e-commerce is influencing. I think the example of one of our iconic brands, if you go on Amazon and type vitamins, there's only one brand that has 100,000 plus reviews. That's Vita Fusion. Yeah. I will not be surprised if there is consumer chugging their card in Walmart and Target and looking up those 100,000 reviews and buying in the store. It doesn't come in my PL, but it's exactly a digitally influenced sales that we want. Couldn't agree more so. We, we, well, we've talked to some companies that have that have talked about their digital advertising and when they turn it off, the impact that it has Correct. in physical retail. They can actually measure how that has a, a, a direct correlation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, I think what you're pointing out is for the longest time, we were obsessed over the e-commerce lower funnel, the numbers. Yeah. This is about full funnel. It's yeah. about consumer acquisition yeah. measured independently. Yeah. Example that you just gave was consumer acquisition. Sure. But this is the only way you can now measure full funnel all the way to the lower funnel and get the outcomes 100%. measured very clearly. And I'd with, even add it. With no vanity metrics. I do not speak too much on the vanity metric that will, you know, not please my marketeer friends, but I hear you. I'm starting to challenge, right? I was reading the other day. When was the marketing funnel invented or described? Can you take a guess? When was that? 1892. Oh, it's about to say 1980. Yeah. 1892. So we've had vanity metrics for 130 years. The, the CPG guys know nothing about vanity metrics or vanity, do we, sure? Not really. None. Okay. Uh, to be noted. Yeah, nice watch. Yeah, nice watch. Either. So so that's the metric that was there okay. when people were pushing yellow pamphlets under doors. And that's the reach uh-huh. and awareness still talked about in the funnel. So I'm trying to talk with my team. Is it truly a funnel or is it a pinball? So when you get a TikTok, a TikTok advertisement that drives Trojan sales in two hours out after launching Bear Skin Raw, that upper funnel, lower funnel, which funnel? I don't know. That's well said. No, well said. It's full funnel. Yeah. And then she used the magic word. I'm sorry. This is more than TikTok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the CPG guys now have a TikTok channel. You Never miss a follow. chance to advertise. Follow. Yeah. follow us on TikTok. So, sir, I'm going to get into people. Sure. Because without people, you can't really be, none of us can be successful without our teams, right? So, I'd like this to be very macro in nature. So, tell us a little bit about how organizations think these days about attracting, developing, and retaining talent. Everyone is chasing hard to come by digital talent. The pool is becoming bigger, but so is the competition. Like, what do you do if you're a leader in CPG? Because, first of all, the talent pool is very small. Yeah. And odds are the three of us know 99, oh, 98% of them. Yeah. So what, what do you do as a CPG? Where do you get these people? 
I, I think people are growing, be getting inspired by not just the impact of their specific job, but overall the purpose of the organization they join. So people are, especially the younger talent, right? The millennial talent and the Gen Alpha and so on. The other talent, they just don't look at what your specific role is. They look for what is the impact in the bigger ecosystem and what kind of autonomy they they get to make decisions and not get stuck in the matrix and product. We're in trouble in that case because we're a baseball podcast with some CPD conversations. Yeah, it's all it's just in the baseball's sky. It's all big roots. It's about targeting baseball. Okay. I know it's terrible. You know, Tree. The good thing out here is it's got, it hasn't gotten to the point. Where Sarabi's in a van stalking outside of QSR and like literally throwing people in the van saying, You're working for me now. It hasn't gotten got to that point. Got it. it hasn't gotten that desperate. But so where do you go in that case? How do you source them? What do you sure. what's your I advice? mean the typical sources would be LinkedIn and recruiters, but I'm starting to learn in the you know recent times, especially given the communities I represent, right? Women, ethnically, you know, not not as uh, represented in the corporates, we have to be conscious that people look for their semblance of themselves when they are looking to get hired. So diverse talent does attract diverse talent, and I think there is merit in that. There is not enough women in leadership across corporate. There is not enough gender parity. There is not enough ethnic parity. There is not enough a lot of other socioeconomic and neuro parity, but I think that attracts people also. Through the pandemic, me and a couple of friends in digital, we started a forum called Executive Women in E-commerce slash digital, totally organic forum, right? Just similar people like us, the only common thing being gender, and both from an exec perspective and early in career. So we matched them to make mentor mentee cards who would coach other women, you know, be it in job seeking, be it advisory in their current roles, be it general a shoulder to chit chat on and talk about mom life versus work life. So we have a group of 80 people now, totally organically grown. We we there is no membership to it. It's, it's all open. The only thing we say is we want to keep it away from agencies as, as much as possible because we don't want to use that as a sales channel, but mm-hmm. use it in service of women seeking to groom other women and women seeking for advice. How, how awesome. Do you want to tell our viewers if they want to be part of this? Can they do that? 100%. I mean, reach out to me. You know, Drop me a note on, on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to you know, connect you to other people. It, it's not a very formal thing, right? There is not much stage gating to it. All, all that we say it. Give your time and give your energy. It's like when you go to some bus stop, there is give a book, take a book. It's like that, you know, give something to the group and take something. And how you can find Surabis, of course, just look up the digital liner notes of this podcast and the link to your LinkedIn profile will be there. So they can just send you a message. How awesome. I also heard you talk about, uh, you know, going out and and diversifying the talent pool. And we've, you know, uh, we had on our podcast earlier this year uh, our good friend Fahad Khawaja, who yep. is at, at at Hugh, and and he's very much focused on making sure that you're not going to get the outcomes you want if the inputs aren't yep. available. And so, making sure that you are deliberate about how you encourage diversity into the consideration process, because yep. if they don't apply, then you're going to get the same old. And that's a talent pool that's getting hot in demand, right? Yeah, and that talent pool does have options. But I think the onus on us and all the leaders is we just don't hire diverse faces. Yeah. We give those diverse voices a channel. Because that's the next step of diversity. Are we giving them the equity, inclusion, and belonging to bring their whole self to work, right? Beyond being made a number that we got a diverse talent. Right? How do we give the so voice? Cool. So if you want them to succeed once they're in, then we have to talk about kind of the soft skills. There's obviously the job description says you need to do this, you have these responsibilities. But there's these soft skills. How do you infuse into your team 
um, the soft skills that you've determined over your career that are necessary for success and growth sure. for both their careers and for the business that they're charged with overseeing. Sure. I'll speak to one of the skills that's most topical and top of my mind these days, right? Uh, we, we love to say that we want to hire for skill and hire for will, right? There has to be determination, a personal ambition, and an ambition for the company to grow. And you have to have the hard skills for the most part. Don't have 100%, have 40%, mm -hmm. and the rest you should be willing to learn. But there's one area where... But you speak of such an important point, right? Yeah. Far too long, I feel, when somebody seeks an employee that flip that equation. 80% they want the skill, and they only allow 20% learning. The people who can build careers and stay the longest and help develop brand equity are the ones that you give a learning platform. True. So well said. True. And we're getting years here. We're getting more knowledge bombs. Hope you're taking copious notes, bro. I am. I'm on. I'm all on top. So back to back to the learning. Curve. Yes. Yes. So I started a concept within my team. It's early days still, but I learned somewhere. You know, in one of the Google IDEO workshops, they said we reframe failure as first attempt in learning. We, we keep using all these big words like fail fast and nimble and agile and you know reduce the you know cycles and what you do to you know, make your project successful. But how often do you live? So in my team, we have it a you know a standing record. And every time we meet as a leadership team, we say, "What did you fail at this week?" If you don't have, "What did you fail at this week?" You did not try enough. It can be personal or it can be professional. Mm -hmm. But we want to start with a fail first share out versus okay. a win first share out because that is encouraging you to be vulnerable. That is encouraging you to try new things that you never tried. And that is making you pause and reflect. Mm -hmm. Are you simply riding the momentum and doing the same things 10 times over or are you attempting new things? But it's okay. also us, on us as leaders to welcome that vulnerability, right? So that okay. they can be comfortable in trying new things. The other thing I really hone in on is encouraging employee dissent. One thing that you know really throttles any sort of innovation and progress is an echo chamber effect, where all the executives are speaking the same thing, which is good to row in one direction. But if there is not employee dissent and disagreement, then not much growth shall come, right? Growth shall not come from continuously speaking the same yep. thing and trying mm -hmm. the same thing. That's you know the word hippo, Peter? Highest per person's opinion. That's what she's referring to. Oh, yeah. That is, that's a little crazy. But then I've seen other extremes where uh, literally the the, the role is you come in, you read a brief, I won't mention the name of the company out of out of Seattle, but you send the first 15 minutes of every meeting reading a brief, and then the primary objective of everyone in that room is to rip apart what they just wrote. Sometimes it can be taken to an extreme, but I agree sure, with you. Sure. Dissent needs to be a core component true, true. Uh, if you want to uh, surface opportunities for growth. Otherwise, you are just... But you have to create a culture for dissent because yeah. it's very natural to subjugate or minimize the people who brought new ideas. So I call it, ideas should kill themselves, people should not kill ideas. So that's okay. where the nuance comes in, in this you know, brief that you are speaking about. People are not killing the ideas, the ideas are getting killed themselves by the hypothesis not proving itself out. I love that. But it's hard to execute. So true, so well said, ideas should kill themselves and then I've written down what fail is. Will be using it on the CPT guys. Okay, okay. First sure, attempt. Not mine. Thanks to Google IDEO workshop. We're, we're going to credit Surabhi. Sure. So let me remind the audience that we're speaking with Surabhi Pokhriyal, the Chief Digital Growth Officer for Church and Wine. So companies are now doubling down. Last two years over COVID, DEI. Mm -hmm. What's your take on DEI? Sure. And how do you see that coming to life these days? Sure. Uh, you know, like we were talking a couple of minutes back, right? The D of diversity is very apparently known uh, in good part because of recent, you know, uh, environment in, in the in US specifically. Mm -hmm. 
But the equity, inclusion, and belonging part, I think we have a long way to mm. go there because the D is still more measurable, quantifiably. Scorecard. Right? Scorecard, metrics, metric driven. You know, it's like uh, metrics that matter, and people. How do you measure inclusion? How do you measure inclusion? How do you measure belonging? She just gave an example though about this, right? No, no, allowing people to voice their opinion. Love that. How do you measure equity and make sure, right? You might have seen that, you know, Khartoum, I'll send you a link offline. There, there's a tree with, you know, two different sized people standing on both sides of the tree. Both are given ladders of the same size. That is equality. That's not equity. Right? Oh, I love that. So that sort of equity has to be brought, you know, overall into our culture and corporations across the country. I think. So it, it's, there is no tangible. Do you think it's doable? I think it is doable. If there is enough people who speak it, you speak it enough and it comes true. It's almost a manifestation. You've just got to think about that and you've got to make sure you're doing it. Otherwise, it won't happen. I'm going to put an observation out there for our audience. Here on the CPG, guys, Peter and I speak to DNI pretty often. That's what Women's Month is about. It's the E part and the I part, not the D part. Because the scorecard, you can score card. Score card. The other okay. two are much softer. But here's the observation, folks. And you all own this with Peter and me. Anytime we make a post on DE&I, we notice there's no amplification. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, that is, that's unfortunate. We would encourage. You see us posting about it. We do it very deliberately. Mm-hmm. We see the engagement on those posts to be noticeably below what we would get if we take a picture of us standing in front of the the sign at the entrance to Las Vegas. Well, like that, that's a really great, colorful social media, okay. but it's not okay. It's not okay in terms of you need to be engaged. So you see it, like it, uh, amplify it, really talk about it. That's how we change the culture. Yeah, I mean, see something, say something. You're 100% right, Shri, right? We, we have to say it enough time, but we have to amplify it enough time. There's yeah. only a few of us in the corporate world right now who can so it's 100% and that's what the CPG has platform is right it's a place to voice your opinion it's a place where you can lose fear I know yeah. I know there's some inherent fear in all of us and what we say here but that this platform is for people to voice their opinion to never hold people back and and I want to go back to something we kind of referred to right up front right as you were talking about your career journey which is you talked about a P&G executive mm-hmm. that kind of pulled you up into that first role in the brand culture versus yeah. the service provider I call it mentorship. Yeah. Ideas on mentorship and we want to focus this more on elevating female leadership. So sure. if you could give us a lens of mentorship to elevate females into leadership. Sure. I, I highly recommend a book that I just bought, did not finish reading yet. You might be familiar with also. Ex-PepsiCo executives wrote Band of Sisters. Hey, hey, hey. and who, who <laughs> talked to them this morning? Our first call was with the Band of Sisters. Oh. They will be joining us for the month of November. November They'll be here, as Peter said. I loved it. There is so much specificity in that book because it's very easy to say at a macro level, make it equitable, make it inclusive. So they have examples of specific scenarios, whether it is you should smile more or you should not raise your hand or you should not leave at five o'clock to pick your kid and other other things, which are all so important in, in the corporate world. And back to your question on mentorship, I think mentorship is crucial and mentorship in the whole way, right? The new talent is keen to do reverse mentorship also. I had CEOs in, in our companies who would say, teach me a new thing in Surabhidinipal. Every time I meet you to mentor you, you have to give me what I what I, I should that. get from mentoring you. Teach me two new things. So the pressure is both ways and it's important to keep it a healthy, equitable relationship. But I think more important than mentorship is sponsorship. 
which sometimes we and they are doing discreet things, right? The proper example you said, she that was sponsorship by my exec, right? Who saw the momentum and the capacity in me and wanted me to do bigger things. I felt so to be, for example, a mentorship is unfiltered advice True. that you can use to move forward in your career True. and change who you are. Feedback is with. a gift. Feedback is a gift. Mentorship is unequivocally being your champion. Yeah. True. Big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Shri, we're old dogs. Can we be taught new tricks? I think we can. We learn how to do TikTok. I want to say old puppy. We're old puppy. You may be the old dog. I'm the old puppy. Uh, let's talk about capabilities. Uh, from your perspective, what are some of the top must-have capabilities for a CPG brand? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking into account that that's really going to drive growth right now. So we get back to some of the the core principles of, of obviously your area of expertise. From a technical perspective, I, I would say it's the usual suspects, right? It's things that we talk all the time. You know, excellence on the digital shift. Being aware of retail media tactics, what are the gives and the gets and the ROIs, partnership with your supply chain packaging and ex- you know, so-called cross-functional people who we don't realize have mm. such a disproportionate weight on you know being influencing on digital growth. But most importantly, being insatiably curious as a brand and as people within that. Because what you know today will only get you so far, but to go above and beyond, you have to be willing to take those risks. Now, I don't want to quantify whether that risk is an NFT or a metaverse or TikTok, but be willing to take newer risks every once in, you know, once in a while and measure the impact of that and pivot. I think a company's biggest you know, accomplishment can be how fast you're able to pivot. How fast you're able to pivot, right? And I think the word agility kind of sits out there, right? And uh, I feel the word agility is misused because for far too long it became an information technology IT term. Now it's slowly pervading everyday tests of corporate America and commercial functions. Do you see true agility happening now? So I will geek out on a little bit on physics on this. Bear with me, Sri, right? We, so, we love to geek out here. Don't worry. You're so, in good company, especially this guy. Yeah. So I will do the analogy of agility is velocity and not speed, if that makes sense. Because speed is unidirectional, high speed, 60 kilometers per hour, versus velocity is being able to pivot that 60 kilometer, depending on where you have to pivot, and that becomes you know, the reason behind your momentum. I would say that is agility, because agility can be misconstrued as how fast you can execute a project or an idea, which is good and important, but how fast can you fail it, scrap it if it is not needed, or scale it if it needs to. Or be pivot it properly. Or, or pivot it to something else. Does that mean, Peter, a self-driving car would be great? Fully autonomous, AI and ML based? Why not? I think so. Um, all right, let's let's get into uh, direct consumer. There's a notable person, might be in this room with us, who has said in prior episodes of a very, we call it over a very popular CPG-focused podcast that for scale brands, Direct to consumer is non-negotiable. Is that true? Is it really true? This is such a yes and no answer, and I hesitate from yes and no answers because that you know makes people think you don't have an opinion. But I'm going to no, take no, a I shot. No, I think it's a good and, 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 if it, and if it is, in what what are the elements yeah, of this sure, that you should sure, there sure, good sure. reasons for yes, good sure, no sure. reasons for no. Sure. So I, I give uh, analogies, right? There are reasons for the consumer to go to a large mall with 200 stores and buy what they need to up from Abercrombie and Fitch and a couple of other stores and do their target run and come home after two hours. And there are good reasons for the consumer to go to a strip mall with just five shops and go to that boutique shop and buy the same thing they could have bought at the mall. 
So that's my analogy. She goes to boutique shops, the kids go to Abercrombie and Fitch, we don't know that. <laughs> Where do we go? We go to French Crown. French Crown? That's best, like, for the best, best, best quality, awesome uh, uh, apparel straight from India. I introduced it to Shri when he was on vacation. I got a lot of He went crazy buying buying from And they ship in the US? They ship in the US. I have to look this up. Oh, when I went to India in August of this year, what's the first thing I did, Peter? You went to French I found the actual warehouse. You found the warehouse. No, warehouse, not in the store. Yeah, he went there and went crazy. Yeah. I digress. Anyhow, awesome. so, so anyway, that's the analogy, right? If the consumer is inspired to go to the boutique shop because the boutique shop gives me a different assortment, a need for loyalty, yeah. or some value exchange that I'm not able to get by going to the mall, yes, I will go to D2C. You know, enough brand marketers speak to need for first party data, the cookie is crumbling and it's shattering. But what's the give and get between the consumer and the brand? If that is clear, then I think the, the consumer will be very happy, you know, from our past life street to go get a rubber ducky when they're getting a baby shampoo. But maybe oh, not. Sorry. If it's just a rubber ducky, maybe they will not get the baby shampoo and they will have to cut and target. Well, so I agree with you. Uh, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and buy a direct consumer if there is some meaningful value, but if not, I'm probably going to learn about it and then I'm going to go where I usually go to buy. Sure. I'm going to open the Amazon app and I'm going to get there. Why? Because I don't have to fill out, I don't have to fill out my information. It's still one click and there it is. It's Especially, I mean, it depends on the kind of categories. I'm speaking yeah. this from a perspective of low consideration categories. So right. the categories that have products $10 and below are yeah. very different than buying your Away and Warby Parker and others, which are high engagement categories, right? This is not the example I would give to say a Nike, right? For their brand following. They have a differential yeah. experience they give on to you. The interesting thing about even look, what we call low value is that the ubiquity of content has mm -hmm. given us so much that there isn't a lot of friction for us to be able to do the kind of research today on low consideration items sure. that were reserved for very high consideration items only five or 10 years ago. Sure. I just come to expect that I'm going to see images of the product. I'm going to write, I'm going to see reviews. I'm going to see all of I'm going to see videos on how to. I'm going to get testimonials. It's all going to be there. That's and if it isn't, I'm going to go somewhere else to find it. Yeah. yeah. That's become the new definition of brand equity. Yeah. Right? That's what defines the brand persona in me. And that's how I decide even if it's a $10 product. You're right. Okay. Well said. So we hit the spectrum of mentorship. Advice on where to find digital talent. We even talked to you to see. But the episode is incomplete without asking you for advice for brands with this digital lean-in that has already occurred, sure. as you rightfully said, digitally influenced outcomes sure. and not e-commerce. Sure. What is your advice for brands going forward, especially in era of store trips returning? Sure. I would say at a brand and an organization level, I start telling my marketers, are you an analog marketer? Raise your hand and nobody raises their hand. So by default, everybody's a digital Good marketer. Question. So that's a very provocative question in a room full of 200 marketers. So marketers want to be a digital marketer. But the next question is the so what, now what? What are you doing to be a digital marketer? Because that's where your consumer is. The consumer may or may not buy. What I mean is that the sale may not be consummated online, but the sale is being influenced online, at least as of today. And it might change in the future. So I would just encourage brands to be aware and keep updating their skill set based on well said, well said, Surabhi. Let me remind our audience that you can find all of our content by simply going to a web browser and typing cpgcast.com. If you think you or your company has some thought leadership just like Surabhi did today, 
to contribute to our community discussion, drop us an email. It's easy. All you got to do is go type con- contact at cpgcast.com. Again, that's contact at cpgcast.com. Maybe you can join us on the podcast for an episode. Don't forget to drop us a rating on cpgcast.com. Easy way to do that. Right up top on the menu bar, the homepage of our website, cpgcast.com, you'll see a little button that says rating. All you got to do is click it and submit a rating. What that helps Peter and me do is make sure the audience that comes here, the guests that come on the episodes, they really speak about topics you all want to hear. And we would be thankful if you do that. Thank you to now our 16K plus followers on LinkedIn. We know that's a very large number on LinkedIn. The show wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for all the love, the clicks, the likes, but most importantly, for the messages you write to us and tell us what what's what's right and wrong with the show. We sincerely appreciate it. So, Rabi, mm-hmm. thank you for an engaging conversation. Also, tolerating the two, I don't know, dogs or puppies. We still haven't decided yet. But we're just, you know what I love is when Shri uses y'all, you realize that we're Southern boys at heart, right? I'm from Southern Canada. You're from Southern India. We're Southern. I mean, we're we, southern. Can, we can say yeah, that kind of Southern. I'm Sri Lankan, actually. Yeah, you're so Southern Indian, and I'm from Toronto. That's very Southern <laughs> Canada. And, uh, and that's a different country. It's a whole Thank you for your willingness to engage across a plethora of topics, right? And not just talking e-commerce and e-commerce and you know, the three things like content, but being willing to go into mentorship, mm-hmm. address that DC elephant that still sits out in the CPG industry, talk about how to access people down. I feel like we covered so much, which means, Peter, it's your time. All right. Take so away. thank you for that. And Saravi, it was great to have you on. I heard her talk about that we're not in the area of the great resignation, but the era and uh, the time of great reconsideration and that you shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't be following your passions as much as you're following your strengths that you're really good at. That's going to drive success in your career. Uh, and you have to be very uncomfortable with inertia. If you're not moving and you're not learning, you're not growing. Uh, take a job where 40% or more of the responsibilities are areas where you don't have that experience, and that'll give you an opportunity to grow. Don't just do the same thing that you know and, and you're just phoning it in. You don't have to do it anymore. You know, pre-pandemic, um, uh, most people couldn't tell the difference between Instacart and Instagram. I think that's good. That's, that's spot on. Uh, and, and now we are in the era, not of digital sales, but digitally influenced sales. And teasing out how one contributes to the other is important, and you need to be considering that as you start thinking about your investments. Um, another one, great one, is it really a marketing funnel or is it a pinball machine? Be my, I've got that noise going in my, my head. Um, you got to hire for skills, but you also have to hire for want to have to and we, got, we have like statements coming out of exactly. this. We're gonna be making we'll t-shirts. Be a lot we're trademarking this t-shirts, t-shirts, boom. We're shameless. another great one, uh, encourage employee dissent. That's gonna drive growth and fail. Ooh, first attempt. You know I'm gonna be using that a lot in my day job. Ideas should kill themselves, uh, not killed by other people. That's really what's going to drive it. You get too personal on that, and and then you you have animosity amongst the ranks, and that's not going to drive growth. Quality and equity are not the same thing. So very true. And um, you need to have an insatiable curiosity, and you need to be thinking cross-functionally. One of the great things about e-commerce is that it has put 
so many people in touch with other functional areas in their company that they never had to. And, you know, supply chain, other areas like that, that, that I think it actually breeds growth. And we've talked about the fact that if, you know, that brands that want to succeed in e-commerce, you should be rotating people through from your sales organization and bringing that in. And, and likewise, so that's the kind of stuff. Um, agility is velocity and not speed. Velocity means you have the ability to pivot. Uh, and if you're trying to get a business where you're testing and learning and iterating, you want to fail fast and move on to the next issue. And lastly, you know, D to, D to C is really only appropriate if the consumer is getting a meaningful value proposition. If it's just out there and it's easy for them to do something else, guess what? They're going to do something else. Right? So those okay. are Wow, you're good at that, Peter. There we well go. Well said. A power-packed episode yet again. I want to thank both of you for joining me on this episode of the CPG Guys. We're especially thrilled that you were able to join us for Women's Month on the CPG Guys, which is November every year. This, of course, is November 2022 for our audience. That's a wrap. It's Surabi. See you soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.